You are listening to the Invitation Church podcast. To learn more about Invitation Church, visit us online at invitation605.com. You can also download our app on iTunes and Google Play by searching for Invitation 605. All right, Acts 12, 1 through 25. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying for God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. He'd been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They now joined together and sought an audience with him. After securing the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for they asked for whoops peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply on the appointed day herod wearing his royal robes sat on his throne delivered a public address to the people 
they shouted, This is the voice of a God, not a man. Immediately, because Herod did not waste, did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God continued to spread and flourish. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. So I want you to think about a moment in life. Uh, You are gathered with a group of people. Uh, You're maybe in a basement or a living room somewhere. You are watching something unfold on a screen. Uh, Maybe it's some kind of sporting event that you're watching unfold. You are uh, watching incredible athletes run around a basketball court, a football field, or a soccer pitch. Maybe you're watching a movie that you've been really, really excited about, and there's, there's something happening in the room that you're not in that needs your attention. Like there's some dog upstairs who is losing their mind. Uh, maybe you hear the phone ring. You're, you thought you had your phone on you, but it's actually upstairs. So you turn to the group of people you're with, and you say, Quack, quack, spot, back. Maybe you've been in that moment in your life. I did youth ministry for a long time, and I will just tell you, the seat that you are sitting in, in the van, on the way to North Dakota, it's really, really important. You don't want to give up your seat. You worked hard for your seat. You got there early. You made sure that you were dropped off in the perfect window so you could sit where you wanted to seat. In the scriptures tonight, we meet a man named Herod Agrippa. And Herod Agrippa is the grandson of Herod the Great. And Herod the Great is the the ruler in ancient times who built a lot of incredible structures. Like the more things that he built, the better about himself and his place in planet Earth than he thought about. And then he has this grandson. And Agrippa, what he's concerned about is not losing his place. Like you might wonder, like, why would the why would a king, why would a ruler of miles and miles and miles and miles of land? care about what a group of people are doing? Why would he care about who they pray to? Like, Why would he care about how they spend their time? Why would that matter to him? And that matters very much to Agrippa because a lot of his identity is wrapped up in his role. A lot of his purpose is wrapped up in his role. Herod Agrippa does not play well with others. Do you have someone in your life that does not play well with others? For some of us, do you have an animal in your life that does not play well with others? We know what this is like. So the question Agrippa is asking himself, like, what if I lose my spot to these people? Like, he's seeing with his physical eyes all of the things that his grandfather built, 
the blood, the sweat, and the tears that went into all these incredible structures. And he watched his grandfather rule with power the ancient world. That people would bow down to Herod. I mean, his name was Herod the Great for crying out loud. Could have called him Herod the Builder, Herod the Kind, Herod the Creative, Herod the Wonderful, Herod the Loving, Herod the Impressive. He called him Herod the Great because he ruled with great power. He ruled with great authority. And we get to see a picture of Agrippa's heart here. He begins to persecute, to push against the New Testament church because he is afraid that he is going to go upstairs and he's going to come back downstairs only to find that someone has taken his place. Herod Agrippa has a few different moves. Uh, you know what this is like. If you get invited to a wedding and there happens to be a dance at said wedding, I could invite several friends of mine up here uh, tonight. I won't do it, but you kind of have ready to go like the moves that the Lord has breathed into you. There's moves you don't have, and that's okay, but there's moves that you have. I think we have a video of Griffin and I at a, at a wedding dance. Griffin's going to play that. We're dancing to Cotton Eye Joe, but I can't play it because then YouTube will sue the church, and so we don't want that to happen. So that's us just kind of doing our thing. Griffin, you can go on. I don't want to distract the people of God tonight. So uh, those are, if you go to a wedding dance, that's part of what the Lord's breathed into my soul from a dance perspective. That's just kind of what you're going to get. And of course, you're impressed. Of course, you think it's wonderful. Of course, you're proud. That's just what the Lord's given me. If I ask some of you tonight, like, hey, tomorrow night, there's going to be a gathering, uh, a supper gathering, and you're going to need to bring something. Some of us know the thing we're going to bring because it's in us. For some of us, like, we're, we're going to bring that salad. That's amazing. We're going to bring that meat. That's amazing. There are people in this faith community who are cheesy potato providers. They're just good at the cheesy potato thing. We all kind of have our moves. Whether it's showing up to a dance, you're looking at me like I'm crazy, but you know I'm right because I've eaten some of your food. You have a thing. You have a lane in life. Right, and you kind of just roll in that lane in the scriptures tonight. We see that Agrippa has a couple different moves, a couple ways that he responds when his spot on planet Earth is threatened. And here's move number one from Herod Agrippa. The first thing that he does is he has James beheaded. So James is the son of a fisherman. He's one of the first people to say yes to following Jesus. Jesus is walking on the shore of Galilee and he sees James and his brother and they're just casting their nets, seeing what they can catch. They're just at work, just doing the thing that they did day in and day out. And Jesus says, hey, come and follow me. Come follow me around, and I'm going to show you how to reach people. I'm going to breathe a message into your life 
that's going to be helpful for people. I'm going to breathe grace into your life so that you can extend it to people. I'm going to tell you what the truth is so you can speak it over people. I'm going to give you power, not so that you can be great in the eyes of the world, but so that you can uplift and uphold other people and give glory and honor and praise to the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. But Agrippa kills James. And in scriptures, when we read that someone is killed with the sword, you might wonder, you might be able to figure out what that means, but that means that they're beheaded. Uh, that's just a way to describe what that was like. And no, I'm not giving a seminar tonight on all the things that were involved. You've watched movies from time to time. You can figure it out. I trust you. And so now what's happened, and this is really the penalty for saying three words in ancient Israel against the government of Rome, for saying Jesus is Lord. We're actually not going to bow down to Herod the Great. We're not going to bow down to Herod Antipas. We're not going to bow down to Herod Agrippa, even. Like, Jesus is the source of all life, and his resurrection is the drumbeat that our lives march to. That if there's truth to be found, it's in him. If there's hope to be found, it's in him. If there's life to grab a hold of, it's in him. To proclaim that is a very dangerous thing to proclaim in a world full of Herod the Great and Herod Antipas. But now two of the followers of Jesus, two of the twelve, are no longer with the group of the disciples. Judas was a part of the group. He shared meals with Jesus and his followers. He was present at the incredible, miraculous moments of display of power in Jesus' life, the people who couldn't see who are made to see, people who couldn't walk who are made to walk, people who are crippled have now been raised up. Like They watched all of that happen, and then Judas made a choice to walk away, and James is killed. And so, of course, that's had an impact on the disciples. I want you to think about a neighbor you had growing up that moved away. I think about two people. Uh, one was a 12-year-old named Eric. That was a good buddy of mine who moved away. Uh, another person, significant, who moved away growing up when I was a little kid. I lived in Missoula, Montana, and our neighbor was the offensive tackle uh, for the Denver Broncos. His name was Kirk Strafford. He had the most luscious, beautiful mustache on planet Earth. For those of you who know about Tom Selleck, it makes Tom Selleck's mustache look like peach fuzz. That's how incredible it was. And I remember when he moved away. We would go over there all the time and, and hang with him and thought he was walked on water. You can talk about here the great. He was the great in our minds. And you know you've been in this moment in life when things change, when people who were present with us are no longer present with us. That's happened here with the disciples. There's an impact to that. So move number one is that James is beheaded. He's killed with the sword. And then Herod Antipas has another move, and Peter is arrested. This same Peter, who years earlier 
is given an opportunity to speak for Jesus as somebody who had kept company with him, who had journeyed with him, walked with him, ate with him, spent time with him, and he says, oh, I, don't, I don't know who you're talking about. He finds himself in a prison cell uh, for proclaiming the good news of the resurrection. And we're told that Herod Antipas is really serious about this. So much so that he sets up teams of guards to make sure that Peter doesn't escape. Because it's happened before. And so there's four groups of four soldiers that would rotate every three hours. So by the time one person got tired, here comes more. And, and we find as we move forward in chapter 12 of the book of Acts, that the church is praying for Peter. And not just praying that he would get a good night's sleep, not just praying that he would sense the presence of God with him. Like, they're praying for his deliverance. Like, they're praying that he would be removed from the place that he is in. The, the church, church is gathering and they're praying. And his chains are broken. I got these chains today from Ace Hardware. His chains fall off in the middle of the night. And he walks out of his prison cell. And where do you go once you've been set free? You go to your friend's mom's house. That's where you go to. It's really it's a little bit confusing in the scripture because it's like John also called Mark. And it's like, what? Very confusing. But and of course, what's his mom's name? We caught it in the scripture. Well, Mary. Of course it's Mary. Like there, you, you look through this book and it's like Mary's all over the place. So he goes to her house and, and what are they doing there? You catch this when, we, when Travis read it for us? They're praying. Like they're praying for deliverance again, that God once again, as they're gathering to celebrate Passover, that's the what would follow the Feast of Unleavened Bread. They would think back to Egypt and they remembered the God who parted the seas and made it possible for the people of God to to pass over from a land of slavery into a land of promise. Like, this is who God is. Like, one of the manifestations, one of the proofs of God's power is freedom in his people. When God shows up, freedom is given. And we see that in this moment. So it goes to his friend's mom's house, and then Herod. He executes the guards. He kills the guards who were responsible for keeping their eye on Peter. This is the proverbial, you had one job. And they don't do it. And they lose their life. And then it chapter ends kind of in an intense way. Herod is eaten by worms. And so what we know is, you know, these tapeworms, you know, 10 to 16 inches long, just kind of, I don't know how to say it, did their thing in Peter's body, um, in Herod's body, and then that was the end of him. So Acts chapter 12, what we see is like these these two kingdoms clashing. Like these, these two ways in planet Earth clashing. Like two powers, two visions for life on planet Earth. 
fighting against one another. One vision, one kingdom is this kingdom where I just make sure that I have the power and my spot is not taken away from me. But another vision is that there's actually life in relinquishing power, in proclaiming the life and the truth and the grace of King Jesus. And as we come to the end of of chapter 12, one of the questions that I think bubbles up for us, like what does it mean to be a person who follows the way of Jesus? Because when you follow the ways of Jesus, like you're going to get yourself into all different kinds of scenarios. Like James gets his head cut off and Peter finds himself in prison. And it just brings up this question, like, what's, what's all this mean? Like, what does it even mean to be a Christian? Like, what does that even involve? And we could spend a lot of time talking about t- tonight, but just kind of simply put, a Christian is a person who's formed by Christ. A Christian is somebody who day by day, moment by moment, is being formed, has been being, has been formed by Christ. That the Spirit is doing something in her, the Spirit is doing something in him. And a question that kind of comes on the backside of that is like, okay, like if it's somebody who's getting, who's being formed by Christ, like, well, what's being formed? And there's just a couple of things that I think are are formed. One of the things that is formed is the things that we say are formed. The things that we say about other people, the things that we say about ourselves. And you're like, well, where do you get that from? Well, I know I got it from Peter. I mean, is his language formed by the Spirit of God? Well, yeah, because let's rewind the tape to John chapter 21. And what does he say? In that time, in that moment, he says, I don't know the guy. Jesus, who? Oh, no, 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 you got the wrong person. But then you fast forward some years, and and how are his words transformed? They're transformed into words of power, and he claims them. Jesus is Lord. And so our, our words are to be formed, like also the way that we think. Part of what it means to be a Christian is for the things that we think are patterns of thought to be formed not by the person sitting next to us, as amazing as they are, not by the world that we live in, but by Him. So what we say and what we think and how we see things, like the resurrection of Jesus changes the way that we look at things. Because we can step into a a situation that is really dark, really confusing, and really hard. And and one of the ways that Christ transforms our vision is that we can see, hey, there's hope here. Like God is up to something here. So it forms what we say, what we think, what we see, what we chase, like the things that we pursue. Christ wants to transform in us, wants to form those things. Doesn't want those things to say the same in the things that we reject. So what we say, what we think, what we see, what we chase, and what we reject.
it's interesting that formation has both a public and a private sphere. Like there are things that the spirit wants to form within you when it is just simply the two of you together. Like nobody else in the room, but you and the Holy Spirit of God whose spirit was hovering over the waters in eternity past. And he spoke life and form into a chaotic and formless universe. So in those quiet moments before you fall asleep, God wants to use those moments to form something in you. There are things that he desires to say to you in those moments. In the moments of quiet, when you have dropped the kids off at school and you are driving to work, it's just you and him. You're at the wheel and he's hovering in the space. That's a, that's a private existence of his presence speaking in you and over you. But then there's public spaces too. That God wants to use how we show up in the world to form us. Uh, this year, I've been volunteering in a first grade classroom at Laura Wilder Elementary, taught by Mrs. V. I just want to tell you that Mr. Mrs. V is a amazing teacher. She's masterful. She's kind. She's creative. She's warm, and Mrs. V knows something about formation. She knows that you need both private and public context to be formed. And so she does a thing every afternoon called reading group with you. And you're like, oh, what's reading group? What's that about? Sounds fun. And kids in groups of five, and they come to this table that's in the shape of a moon and they all sit and she helps them recite their sight words so right now in 102 we're learning to differentiate between the word where and the word which and so mrs v will hold up a card that says w-h-e-r-e and all the kids say W-H-E-R-E, where? W-H-E-R-E, where? And she says, great. She puts that one down. They're also working on words L-I-V-E, which is confusing because that could be live or it could be live. I don't know whose idea that was. And if we ask Mrs. V tonight, what's the point of all of that? Like, why not just go to your desk? And why not just recite over and over and over and over, W-H-E-R-E, where? W-H-E-R-E, where? W-H-E-R-E, where? Mrs. V would tell us tonight that formation happens as we participate in the lives of others. There's something that happens when we hear another person 
who can differentiate between the letter U and the letter V because it's hard. It's easy to get them turned around. When we hear another person who can differentiate between the letter B and the letter P, it's hard. Someone who can differentiate between the letter J and the letter G, it's hard because all those letters, they look like each other. And we actually need all of the people in the reading group to help us become. And so information, it will not be enough for us to simply sit at our desk and drill the sight words. I believe that would be what James would tell us. I believe that would be that which Peter would tell us. The formation doesn't come through being inspired. It doesn't come through learning more information, but it comes through engagement in relationship. Like that's how Peter grows up as he follows Jesus around and listens to him and receives the love that he has for him. What is a Christian? A Christian is someone who's formed by Christ. And that will happen for you privately. But it will also happen for you publicly. In community with others. What does it mean to be a Christian? What is a Christian? A Christian is a person who understands that God's hope for the world, the standards of God in the world on planet Earth are not simply things to somehow live up to. Like the law of God, the way of God, the truth of God is something church to live inside of. And that changes what we're going to be formed into. If we look at all of that as, as rungs on a ladder, a thing that I have to reach, I have to live up to this standard, something's going to get formed inside of us. But what if instead of this standard to live up to, what if God's heart for us is that we would live inside of that? That we would experience for, for ourselves what it means to have grace in our lungs. What it means to understand that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. What it, what it means that we're living empowered every single day in the people that we meet, the conversations that we have. And we're not earning anything but we're living inside of God's kingdom and His rule. Can I tell you that's why He creates the heavens and the earth? Why? Because God wants us to live inside of His rule. But some of us are obsessed with building a life where we would somehow be able to live up to His And I believe the heart of God tonight is to help us understand that a way has been opened for us to live inside of all of the things, all of the landscape that God has created for us. I'm going to invite the band of us to close tonight. So at the end of Acts chapter 12, two questions. Question number one, what has been formed in you? 
in 2023. I know you're not counting, but 2023 is 119 days old. 32.7% over. But some of you are like, oh, good. Some of you are starting to panic because you have a list in 2023 and you know where you are on that list. So there's another question that comes on the backside of that. And it's just, what are you asking God to form in you in 2020? Like, what do you hope that God would create within you? in all of the days that we have left in 2023. There's a lot of months left. And what is it? And I just want to invite you right now in this moment, not just to listen to these words or this music behind me, but just ask God, God, what do you want to form in me? Like, how do you want me to grow up? How do you want me to be different? Like, what do you want to do with my heart this year? How do you want to form the way I think? How do you want to form the, what I say? How do you want to form the way that I show up? The cool thing about God is that he's good at answering questions. He very much wants to talk to you. Wants for you to understand what he desires to do in through your life. And if we could sit tonight knee to knee with Peter, I think he would tell us that we grossly misjudge the growth that can happen in the life of a person. I think he'd probably tell us that we misjudge how much we can get done in a day that we'd probably overshoot it. And I think he'd probably also tell us that we grossly misjudge how much God can do in a life. It's more than we think. God can do more in your life than you believe sitting here tonight. Abundantly. We pray, Lord Jesus, we thank you tonight for the table and for the opportunity we have to go back to the upper room and to receive directly from your heart and your way. God, thank you for this church. Thank you for how you are forming us, helping us grow up, helping us grab hold of the good that comes from your hand. God, will you help us to be faithful people? Would you help us to be honest people, would you help us to be genuine people? And would you help us to see beyond the barriers in front of us and instead to help us get a picture of the life that you desire for us to live inside of? We pray all of this in Jesus' name for Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thank you so much for joining us on the Invitation Church podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message that you just heard and receive every part of it. Every promise from God, every declaration of his great love for you, every word of hope, every reminder that you have been made for more. Allow what you've heard to take root in your soul to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. I also want to encourage you to be part of what we are doing here at Invitation as we invite people to live the way of Jesus. Go to the app and become a regular giver, an investor in the story that God is writing in this place. Also, if you found the message meaningful, we'd love to have you share it with someone else as you partner with us in carrying the message beyond the walls of the church. I want to thank you for being here with us. Grace and peace.